The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with this episode of Benched with Bubba, I want to tell you I am stoked to be collaborating with Rotoballer this 2020 season with the Bench with Bubba podcast joining the Rotoballer radio network. Since 2013, Rotoballer has been grinding away, providing millions of fantasy baseball players their fix for in-depth MLB analysis and player news. If you haven't heard, Rotoballer 2020 MLB Draft Kit is live, and all Bench with Bubba listeners can get 10% off Rotoballer's Draft Kit by using the discount code Bubba. Rotoballer is home to the number one fantasy pros accuracy ranker Nick Mariano. Nick's 2020 rankings and projections are available as part of Rotoballer's draft kit, along with printable cheat sheets, draft sleepers, and busts. More than 300 2020 player outlooks and tons of in-season tools. All this fantasy baseball goodness from Rotoballer is available for 10% off with a discount code Bubba. Just go to rotoballer.com backslash Bubba and get your draft kit today. They have tons of great stuff and you get premium with promo code Bubba, DFS, all the goodies. Use promo code Bubba, sign up at Rollerballer, get an extra 10% off with promo code Bubba. Now to tonight's episode of Bench with Bubba. back everybody to another episode of bench with bubba episode 294 we're gonna talk about some dynamic hard hit rates some other fantasy baseball discussions and much much more in order to do so i have the co-founder and writer of six man rotation you can find him on twitter at c Kirkon. uh connor Kirkon. how we doing man hey man what's going on thanks for having me on no problem thanks for joining me i'm glad we could uh to get this to work because uh, I read your article a few weeks ago. It's absolutely outstanding. So I can't wait to uh, delve in on this some more, but why don't you let us know about uh, like what you got going on, six man rotation, all that good stuff. Um, Let's see what I have going on. Not a, not a lot, at least nothing that I'm super excited about. I'm always kind of digging and, and searching for things that interest me or I'm curious about, but, but nothing major at the moment. Um, yeah, sixmanrotation.com is is the site. Um, 
just a few of us a, a few years back we were writing for a different site actually and the uh guy who was was hosting it decided he didn't want to do it anymore and so we essentially took the the following of the previous website kind of went off and did our own thing and been doing that for four years now or so so um yeah that's where i that's where i put out all my stuff for the most part and there's a couple quite a few good writers over there who uh write sporadically so that's what we got going on cool cool yeah no, i know i love uh following you on Twitter because you, you, every now and then like we'll talk about kind of a thread you're working on right now that uh, I saw down there. You're just kind of spitballing ideas and uh, kind of crowdsourcing it. It, it turns into a, a pretty cool discussion on trying to, you know, take advantage of these new StatCast data and other things we can um, utilize to better have an idea of predictive outcomes, which is as fantasy players is what we're kind of looking to do is kind of predict the future. So it's a, a pretty cool way to do it. And you know, predicting the future is going to be very difficult because, you know, 162 games, we can kind of have an idea of how players play. There's hot colds, hot streaks, cold streaks, so on and so forth. But it looks like, barring some kind of miracle, we're going to get about a 50-game season, it looks like, this year. And it's going to it's going to make things very tricky. Um, how would you approach, if, if you are going to play fantasy baseball this year, how would you approach a 50-game season? Well, I'll tell you what. If, if we have a season, I'll definitely be playing. Um, you know, I'm in a couple, uh, dynasty leagues, what have you keeper leagues. Um, I don't know if I'm going to play redraft. It's just, it's going to be so tough, you know, 50 games. That's like what, two months of the season and so much crazy shit can happen in in two months. Um, that, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be, it's going to be really tough to, to tell who's going to do what in two months. You know, your studs are your studs. They're going to do their thing in two months, but, uh, you know. A lot of other guys, they slump. They, you know, they're not as good as they were the year before. It's, it's, it's going to be tough for sure. Um, I don't know if I, I would have um, a plan or a strategy. I think you could potentially. I know this is a popular uh, opinion. You could kind of throw injury concerns and workload concerns on the back burner. I think that's really where you're going to see the most uh, return on investment if you kind of kind of throw those away more or less but other than that i mean yeah it's gonna be tough 50 games yeah it's, it's gonna be wild it's a sprint and uh all chaos gonna happen like i know this uh, we saw how good uh cody bellinger came out last year and he still had a great year but if you factor in the start to the finish two different seasons almost uh, josh bell obviously is a great example of a hot start and kind of a, a rocky finish and those, those kind of things are going to happen on both areas cold starts hot starts and it's going to be really tricky to see how it works as you know the whole season you eventually get the overall package of what a player really is in these short seasons it's going to be tough to uh, to figure it all out and even just like on a team perspective the joke i always make as a giants fan is they were 31 and 19 at one point last year and the nationals were 19 and 31 so the giants would have made the playoffs and the nats wouldn't have so let's just put the world series champs into perspective uh, there's so many yeah. so many factors in there it's it's, it's crazy absolutely crazy um yeah but we'll see yeah, definitely uh, on your Twitter profile, I just have to ask this. You said you're like Cabrian Hayes' biggest fan, and there's a chance we could see Cabrian this year, at least when we thought it would be at least 80 games. We, there was pretty much a guarantee we'd see him. 50 games, the way the Pirates are, we're not sure. But uh, what is it just for fun that you uh, you find so – that you like so much about Mr. Hayes? 
I love the glove mostly. So it's it's a little less of a of a fantasy thing. It's a more of a real life thing. I think for fantasy, he's he's a little less sexy. But I think I think that glove gets undersold a little bit. You know, um, he's not going to be Matt Chapman. He's not going to be Pete Coronado. But I think if he's at the corner saving fifteen runs a year, which I think is possible, I think you're looking at a like a three win guy. Um, and I think he gets a little a little underrated. I think I don't know if, if people are selling the glove short or or they're really really not buying into the power. Um, I know he struggled a little bit in the back half of last year, so I get it. I just think he's going to be uh, I think he's going to be a real real solid player. I dig it. I dig it. Sometimes there's more to it than just fantasy, obviously. So uh, that, yeah. that's something to keep to, to definitely keep in mind. Let's get into it. Let's talk about your dynamic hard hit rate, your true hit, uh, you know, metrics that you developed here. It uh, you came out with it, and it just ran wild. Everyone loved it. It was uh, talked about quite a bit there. It still is talked about quite a bit. It was a, a big, big metric. I know you've been working on it for a while. What was the um, what made you decide that you wanted to look into something like this? What were you trying to accomplish before you even dove in and did all the, the hard work? Uh, you know, I can't remember exactly what um, what got me started. I was looking at some sort of chart with, uh, you know, I was looking at all the exit velocities at all the launch angles uh, over a course of a certain amount of years. And I noticed that around the line drive area, right, zero to five degrees, zero to 10 degrees, <clears throat> balls were getting hit or they had the capability of being hit a lot harder, right? You go up towards like, 60 to 70 degrees and people aren't hitting the ball 115 miles an hour anymore. Whereas in those lower launch angles, we see that. Um, so I kind of just plucked a point and it was that Joey Gallo pop-up tweet. It's it's in the article. Um, Joey Gallo hit a ball 107 at 63 degrees. And I essentially just said, you know, would you consider this hard hit? Um, and the more I dug, the more I found that, you know, as that launch angle increases, it actually gets harder and harder and harder to hit the ball hard, right? So let's go back to 115 miles an hour. If a guy makes contact with a ball at zero degrees, it's very possible that he could hit it at 115 miles an hour. If he makes contact with the ball and the launch angle is at like 70, it's not even, it doesn't even seem humanly possible to hit the ball at 115 miles an hour. And so I kind of ran with that idea. Um, I kind of went off the idea of not so much having a hard hit rate. We, we know hard hit rate on, on baseball savant is 95 miles an hour or greater. You know, everybody's got their hard hit rate. It's a great, great metric. It's very, um, uh, it's great in the predictability sense. Um, but I kind of, began thinking about it in terms of what's possible you know we know at zero degrees it's possible to hit it at 120 at that 60 and 70 degrees it's not so i kind of wanted to change that threshold of hard hit from one static number which was 95 um and kind of move it around a little bit so it should change as the launch angle changes and that was more or less the idea of it um yeah like you said it got good feedback i'm really Glad I got good feedback. It's definitely um, one of the 
I don't know if I had the most fun with it. I think I've had the most fun with Sparkman, which I think we're going to talk about. But mm-hmm. I think that this, I think Dynamic Hard Hit Rate is probably the best thing that I've ever done just because it's a, it's a entirely new concept, you know? Um, so I think bringing that to the table is, is kind of, uh, it's good because, you know, you mentioned, I, I tweet and I, I like getting into conversations. I like doing baseball stuff to spark more conversation. You know, I tweet, I throw things out there just to, just to talk and see if people can't, pick my brain and I can't pick theirs and think of new stuff to do and what to look into. And and that's kind of what I think when I think of dynamic hard hit, I kind of, I hope that people can take it and begin to begin to think about hard hit rate differently than just this, the 95 plus that we've been uh, accustomed to. So I, I, uh, I'm glad it got such good feedback. Um, I think from a predictability sense, it, it's proven itself to be pretty good um so i think it can be helpful uh from a fantasy point of view as well a couple things i I have okay a couple couple things i have for you there is um you you meant you mentioned the uh the the twitter feeds and we'll talk about those um i enjoy reading them i'm not smart enough to partake in them because i can talk baseball all day long but you guys and your stats which i love and i learn and that's why i have people like yourself on is I can. Uh, I try to ask the the questions people are, think they're too dumb to ask because I don't care to look dumb. It's fine. <laughs> so um, I'll, I'll ask the questions to make it easy because I know I'm not the only one kind of wondering these things. So I'm going to start like slowly picking it apart yeah. so you so you so you can uh, explain this either to me, to listeners, whoever else. Kind of things that I know until I read into it more, I didn't understand out the gate stuff like that. Now, like a simple sure. one here, which I get with what you're saying. So you keep using the word hard hit, and I just want to clarify for people. Yeah, you're re- you're referring to exit velocity. Um, how does the hard hit rate we see on baseball savant? Because you're using exit velocity and launch angle. Can you can can you explain how your exit velocity launch angle? Because usually when we associate the two, we associate that with like barrel percentage. Can you um, explain the hard hit part of this to people so it makes more? Uh, I guess makes it clearer to them. Does that yeah, make sense? Yeah. So, yep. Yeah. So. Hard hit rate, as we see it on baseball savant. There's also a hard hit rate on fan graphs. Yep. That's not, it's different from the one we see on baseball savant. The one from baseball savant is, um, it's a hard hit rate. It's quite literally the rate at which a guy hits the ball 95 miles an hour or harder. Because there's a, there's um, proof that once you get around that 95 uh, mile an hour range or harder, the results of your hit balls become exponentially better um, than all the mile per hour thresholds before it. Um, And so that's why the guys at baseball savant decided to use 95 miles an hour. Um, So yeah, it's quite literally just a, just a rate at which they hit the ball 95 miles an hour or harder. The idea behind hard hit rate was to move that threshold, right? So at 10 degrees, this isn't exactly what it is, but this is more or less the idea. At 10 degrees, we might say a hard hit ball is 95 miles an hour, same as regular hard hit rate. As we increase our launch angle, we're going to move that threshold down a little bit, and it's going to happen very gradually, but it is going to happen. That way, when you get up towards, let's say, like 60 degrees, all of a sudden, a ball like 
let's say 90 miles an hour, which wouldn't be classified as a hard hit ball as baseball spot sees it will now hopefully be um, encompassed by this new dynamic hard hit. The dynamic aspect of it is the, um, the changing of that, of that 95 mile an hour threshold. So, um, you know, if you were to say, what is the, what is the threshold at 50 degrees? I couldn't tell you it's, it's more of a a coded thing. Um, So in that way, standard hard hit rate is much easier to swallow much easier to understand it's just a 95 um but i do think the the moving of that threshold um mm-hmm. helps us to to pick up more um truly hard hit balls right so um i think that's what it what it does best yeah and it makes a lot of sense when you look at the the two graphs you put in the article the normal hard hit graph starting at 95 miles an hour. It's just one green arc. And this is what it is. Mm-hmm. You've got to hit at 95, and then you're, you're in this range type deal. And then obviously things change. It's the same arc. And then you show your dynamic rate, and it, it shifts the arc a little bit to justify that, you know, you might not have hit it as hard, but the launch angle factor of it makes it a very hard hit baseball. So that makes a lot of sense. And then you're also with your arch, you moved it a little bit because in theory, when we're watching a game, like, so like a, say it's a two degree launch angle that's a ground ball so we're watching a ground ball and it might go 105 miles an hour which makes it a hard hit but if it was 95 miles an hour would it really be a hard hit probably not so you're kind of moving in the spectrum there which makes a ton of sense a ton of sense i can't remember who i had on the show recently because there's been a lot of great metrics you guys have come up with so we were talking about it and he was explaining he had a bunch of videos as well that you know mike trout hit one of the warning track but because it was hit too high it wasn't clear. It was characterized as a um, like a fly ball, something or other. So it didn't qualify as like a hard hit. And it's like, okay, I'm sorry if he if he tweaks that like two degrees, that thing's in the bleachers. <laughs> so yeah, can't tell me it's yeah. not a hard hit. So that's kind of where you're going with this, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, the the whole game is a it's a game of centimeters. You know what I mean? So uh, yeah, I I kind of I like to think of it as um, how close are you to hitting it as hard as anyone could possibly hit it at that specific launch angle. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it, it's humanly possible given our equipment and our players that somebody could hit it at like 125 miles an hour. Right. So if somebody hits it at 120, um, you're five miles, you're five miles an hour away from what is humanly possible down near with like a 60 degree launch angle. All of a sudden what's humanly possible is closer to like 110. Right. So like a 105 mile an hour hit is also five miles an hour away from what's humanly possible. So they're kind of the same in that way. And that was that was the general idea. So. uh, Yeah, I think I think it was received well. And. um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think people liked it. And like I said, I mean, if it if it sparks some other ideas and further thought on the matter, then I, I think that's that's what I was hoping to get out of it. So. No doubt about it. Um, so we, we've discussed the dynamic hard hit rate. And then you you use your dynamic hard hit rate to compare it to Will Bacon and X Will Bacon. Can you tell me um, and, and other metrics? Can you tell me how all this kind of correlates? How you can use maybe your dynamic hard hit rate to uh, help with you know Will Bacon and X Will Bacon is one of the most popular new stat casty stats over the last year or so. So can you explain yeah. how we could use that metric to 
find or predict like an ex-Will Bacon or Old Bacon? Yeah, so um, what I did was I took I took dynamic hard hit rate and I just I pretty much just morphed it. I put it into a it's the same number technically. Um, I just put it into a different form, and that's I called it true hit. I was sick of t- to be honest. I was sick of all these letters and numbers, and I was just like, <laughs> let me just let me just call it something else. I don't want to tack on a a p at the beginning of this or something. Yes, so I, I'm with I called you. it something else. <laughs> yeah. Um. It's essentially dynamic hard hit rate in the form of Wobicon or X Wobicon, whatever, both of those things. Um, so it's easy to understand in that way. There's then also a small adjustment for park and a small adjustment for speed. The speed actually uh, plays a pretty big role. But yeah, the only input is really dynamic hard hit rate. Um and it gave me a number for true hit. And I'm considering true hit as like what we should expect from a hitter based on his dynamic hard hit rate. So if you've got a guy who had a Wobecon of like 400 last year and his true hit is like 450, well, then maybe you should expect some upward regression um, next year. That's that's more or less um, the way it can be used. Um, but in the end, dynamic hard hit rate, it is only exit velocity. And as you know, as we know by studying all this stuff, barrels, exit velocity, launch angle. Launch angle is an important component. Uh, and it's not it's not baked in here in any way. And that has its positives and it has its negatives um, in one way. Um, it it doesn't tell us that guys who hit it at a really good launch angle very consistently, the Nick Casts, the Freddie Freemans, Brandon Belts, Joey Votto's, it doesn't really capture what they are fully capable of. Um, But what it does do is it kind of gives us some regression on guys who might have hit it really well at good launch angles just for a year, right? So we know that those four guys that I just named hit it at really good launch angles because we have a numerous years of data to tell us that they've been doing it consistently. On a bigger scale, sometimes launch angle data can be a little, you know, shaky year to year. And so since it doesn't consider launch angle, um, it doesn't consider when guys have really bad launch angle seasons or good launch angle seasons. Um, I remember Aaron Judge was one example that I was finding that it it kind of um it, it was a great example Aaron Judge he's always hit the ball hard his dynamic hard hit rates for the last three years have been stellar um in his rookie year 2017 he had an impeccable launch angle as well and then in 2018 2019 it was more towards average right so he goes from this superhuman hitter his rookie year to a very very good hitter and it could be injury related it could be uh just that his rookie year was kind of an anomaly but um dynamic hard hit rate picked up on that it regressed that launch angle um it said i don't know if we should totally trust that he's going to be a great launch angle guy until we see more um so it it said we're probably expecting some regression regression came um 
And so that's where I think of the launch angle, the, the lack thereof rather can be helpful, but, but sometimes it does miss on guys like Nick Cast, like Freeman, uh, Votto, and, uh, and on the flip side too, the guys that pop up a lot, the guys that can't lift the ball, you know, I remember Eric Hosmer, Eric Hosmer actually had a really good <laughs> dynamic hard hit rate, but the dude just, he slams it into the ground. You know, that's not, yep. that's not something that, that, he's shown a willingness to fix yet. And so dynamic hard hit rate thinks he's capable of so much more, but until he fixes launch angle, um, I don't know if that's actually going to change. So yeah, I mean, true hit, true hit is just, it's in the form of Wobicon. So that way it's easy to read. It's easy to understand. It's easy to match up with, with Wobicon itself. Um, kind of see who we might be able to expect more from and less from really. I like it. Um, so you, you're using the the true hit and the Wobicon. How does true hit kind of relate to X Wobicon? Because we've been using that to kind of use as a uh, kind of example. Did they do overperform or underperform? How does true hit compare to X Wobicon? So when I was originally doing this, um, I actually, I actually. Um, made dynamic hard hit rate when I when I put it into the form of X Wobicon and Wobicon, I actually put it. I um, I created a an equation to. I I actually made it into an X Wobicon to start. Um, okay. But then I added a park fact a park adjustment and sprint speed. And once you do that, you kind of you kind of make an X Wobicon into a Wobicon, right? The X Wobicon, all it does is it tells us, given the exit velocity and given the launch angle, how often does this go for a hit? How much damage is it going to do? When you inject speed into that and when you inject park into that, that changes quite a bit. So I really wanted to know what I was going to see on the field. Right. And so I wanted to include speed and I wanted to include park. So I remember um, Matt Chapman. Matt Chapman was a guy who hits the ball crazy hard, but he's got a little bit of, bit of a pop up problem. And he also plays in the Coliseum. And those two things combined are bad news. Right. So gotcha. his dynamic hard hit rate and thus X Wobicon are very, they're, they're good, they're great. Um, but when you factor in the park, when you factor in his launch angle issues, um, that that Wobicon's going to drop. So I, it, it was just a matter of preference, really. I could have made this to um, mimic X Wobicon, um, mm-hmm. but I really wanted to know what we were going to see on the field, and so I, I put it. I added that sprint speed and that park adjustment. Um, so that we could look at Wobicon. And it, it made a load of difference for a lot of guys, Trey Turner, especially the fast guys, Trey Turner, oh, yeah. Buxton. Um, you know, those those guys' Wobicons are always going to be higher than their ex-Wobicons because they're always legging stuff out. They're turning doubles into triples, the beaten infield stuff. Um, and that stuff's important. So I wanted to, I wanted to include that. Um, so it's, it, it's not going to compare to ex-Wobicon as well as it does uh, Wobicon for that reason, because it includes sprint speed and it does include a little bit of a park factor. 
No, that makes a lot of sense. Park factors, it's a big deal these days. We see all the new articles on it and metrics on park factors. We, as uh, analysts and just fans of baseball, we we all pretty if, if you watch enough baseball or talk enough baseball, you know, just like you said, he plays the Coliseum. Everyone knows once you say that, it's because Oakland has his, it's a band box. The foul territory is crazy. The balls and fly yeah, out. Not a- you know, Brandon Belt, AT&T Park, triples alley. It's a nightmare. Like we, we know these kind of situations that uh, play into it. So park factors is a big deal. I think that's, that's a very, I'm, I'm really excited to uh, look at this some more in that respect alone, because we like to use, especially on StatCast and other, you know, Chamberlain's got his, his pages and all that stuff where, we're having so many predictive um, metrics now that compare stat A with stat B because it's predictive now. So we know if some guys should regress or uh, in a positive or a negative way and stuff along those lines, but not many of them do the park factor part. So I think that's a, a, a very important part that you added to it and, and will help with the growing analysis. Um, maybe this is a dumb question, but you have a little spot here on the Yankees and you show how like the true hit rate of all these Yankees is like pretty large compared to their Wobicon. Is that like pretty much straight up because of Yankee Stadium, or is that from other factors? Maybe. Um, it could be because of Yankee Stadium. Uh, definitely, I know that. Um, uh, who was it? Lemayhu, especially. I remember when they brought him in. I hadn't done anything with dynamic hard hit rate or or any of this stuff. I remember looking at Lemayhu's spray chart from when he was in cores, and he put a lot of balls, a lot of fly balls out in the right field. And I was like, okay, this makes sense for, that the Yankees would go after somebody who was peppering fly balls to right field with that, with that short porch. Um, and they also do, you know, the Yankees as a team, as a, as an organization, they do a lot of good stuff with hitter development. Their pitching has been a little shaky, but I remember Cameron Maven walked in there. Um, and I, I put this quote in the article. Let me pull it up. Yeah. So Cameron Maven walked in there and the Yankees, um, essentially said to Cameron Maven, dude, you're huge and you're strong. Like, you got to start hitting the ball and hitting it hard. Um, he said throughout the years, a lot of people kind of, I feel like, limited me to just doing one thing. Put the ball on the ground, hit the ball on the ground, use your speed. These guys are like, you're 6'4", 210, 215. You've got a lot of pop. Trust it. Um, and from a few different people, a few different players, it's kind of what you hear from um, them as far as what the Yankees have told them. It's like, don't worry about swinging and missing. Hit the ball in the air and hit it hard. And and Cameron Mabin started to do that, and you started to see some results last year. I was kind of excited to see him in in Detroit this year with a full-time spot. Um, I know that uh, DJ LeMahieu, just in my short, small – research on launch angle i know that he actually his launch angle actually got a little bit better this past year um i know that mike talkman I mean, you mentioned alex chamberlain he's always been a big mike talkman fan um yeah yeah I, chris ionette has been hitting the ball hard for years so um i think to a degree yeah yankee stadium's gonna play a part um but i think i think it's probably a perfect storm right between the Yankees being a smart organization, knowing how to talk to their players and how to develop their players. Yankee Stadium being a great place to hit. And, hey, maybe there's some of this thrown in, this dynamic hard hit where they're they're kind of finding the same guys that dynamic hard hit rate was able to uncover. So it's probably a mix of all three. Um, I certainly don't want to make it seem like it was it's this and this alone. It's 
they're a great organization. I, uh, I'm a Sox fan, so so it hurts to say, but uh, <laughs> but they, they do they do they do good stuff over there. It's okay. I understand. As a Giants fan, it's, it's hard for me to watch uh, the Dodgers. I like Bueller. I like Bellinger. They got Mookie Betts for crying out loud, who you obviously liked. like. They have so many yeah. likable players now. It makes my life very complicated at times. So I totally yeah, and they do I the totally same thing, it. right? They just churn out, they just churn out players out of nowhere. Dustin May came out of nowhere. Yep. Will Smith, really? I mean, they just they got a great player development program. So it's hard to watch sometimes. Definitely. Yeah, it's very very tricky. Um, so you mentioned that the launch angle thing is kind of the, I guess the main point you're trying to to, to mess with. I would guess, or maybe find a way to fix if you can. I don't know. Like even today, as we record on Thursday, you and Chamberlain were talking about launch angles and stuff. Um, do you have any idea where you want to go with that? Do you uh, is that is that next for you, or what's next for your uh, your true hit and all that stuff? Yeah, I think this is that's this is kind of what I've been looking into as of recently. And you mentioned Alex Chamberlain. Um, I mean, he's one of the smartest guys I know, and he's always more than willing to to listen to my stupid ideas and bounce better ideas off of me. So, um, yeah, we've been chit chatting a little bit. Um, I'm actually looking at distributions of launch angle right now. Um, so not so much average launch angle, but, uh, distributions, I, I guess you could say. So essentially, uh, how often you're causing certain launch angles to occur. Um, you know, if you got a, if you've got, two balls hit at 20 degrees, those balls are going to do some damage. Um, if you've got two balls hit at negative 20 and 60, those two balls probably won't do too much damage. Both of those sets of two have have the same average launch angle. So I'm trying to move away from average launch angle and kind of look at um, the individual pieces of it all and see if I can't uh, pick up something good but but yeah i'm kind of just i'm digging my teeth in but i haven't found anything super concrete yet or anything i'm excited about but you know and i mean 90 percent of the stuff i look into and i'm curious about leads to absolutely nothing and then every once in a while you'll you get a diamond in the rough like dynamic hard hit rate but yeah i i do launch angles the next the next ingredient i think um i just have to find find an ingredient that i like i guess I know you. I know you have it on um, your article here, and I clicked open the Google sheet of your dynamic hard hit rate, your true hit rate. You have true woba on here. Can you elaborate a little bit on when we're looking at true woba? Um, I know we were using true hit to kind of look at a determinant of wobacon. Is true woba just a determinant on woba, basically like a new version of ex woba in theory? Yep. Yeah. So okay. um, when I was doing this, I, I would. I got caught up a lot of times because I forget that I was working in Wobicon, which is weighted on base <laughs> average on contact, right? Yep. But you don't make contact on every pitch. Every hitter strikes a, strikes out a certain amount and they walk a certain amount. So all true Woba is, is um, it's true hit. It's taking that as, um, it, it's taking that in place of the Wobicon. And then I also throw in a projected K rate and a projected walk rate, which is really just um, regressed totals from seasons past. So there's nothing cute or flashy about it. It isn't. It doesn't use swing strike rate or swing rate or anything like that. It's just K rates from years past, 
um, and I give it a, I weigh them all and I throw it into one big thing to give you a WOBA. Um, and that one was, that was kind of just a, a cherry on the top. I didn't put much, much thought or time into these, those K rates or walk rates. I think they came out. Okay. They came out well enough for me to feel comfortable publishing it. But um, the big one was, was true hit. And then what you want to do with true hit or, or, Wobacon is is up to you after that, but yeah, true woba is just a, it's just woba, whereas true hits wobacon. Yep, I like it. I like it a lot because, like I said earlier, is uh, wobacon x wobacon is something I've, I've been trying to use more and more now because I, I yeah. believe in if we're analyzing players, I want to know when they put the ball in play. I don't care when they sit there and walk or do this. I get it; it affects the game, but I can look at you know K percentage or those kind of stats strikeout wise to figure out uh, what they're doing. I click at walks on base percentage, OPS, whatever you want to look at there to figure things out. I know everyone's got their preferences on what's good and what isn't, but what I'm worried about for the most part is how does a guy put a ball in play and what does he do when he puts the ball in play? And that that's, that's where yeah. I'm kind of focusing. Cause like I said, if he doesn't hit the ball, he's not hitting home runs. He's not scoring runs. Most of the time, he's not driving in runs. He's not stealing bases. So for this, and as the average sucks. So it's like everything you want. <laughs> Is garbage, so it doesn't really matter to me. So that's where I've been focusing. But when we we've kind of talked about Statcast in a roundabout way at times, there's Fangraphs page. There's all kinds of cool stuff out there now. Pitcher List has hundreds of good stats. It seems like these guys, these guys keep coming up with. You have this one. What are some of the favorite stats that you like to go? Like what are what are Connor's go tos when you're trying to evaluate players? When you're trying to maybe create a new metric that that you're looking at? What are the ones that you like to focus on that you believe are kind of the the best ones for you? Um, <laughs> I know it, it's a yeah, long list. You know, it's, it it could depend on the situation. I get it. You know, what's funny though. You asked me this question, and I think the reason I'm having trouble thinking of one on the spot is because it's been so damn long since we've had actual baseball that I. Uh-huh. I it's been hard. It's been hard I, to really dig in. I <laughs> right. I haven't looked at like I haven't looked at like I've been looking at like broad data. Like I've been looking at like years at a time, and not like player specific stuff because we just haven't had actual meaningful baseball in like nine months. Um, mm-hmm. I'm on baseball savant a lot. Um, I'm on fan graphs a lot. Fan graphs is good because it's nice and intuitive. Uh, the leaderboards are great and they're easy to filter and sort through. Um, but they're not really, they're not really adding a lot. Whereas baseball savant, um, they're always coming up with new stuff. Uh, it kind of keeps you interested. It kind of keeps you going back. Um, seeing if you can use whatever that new thing they came up with in a new way. Um, I know Alex Chamberlain has the pitch leaderboards. Uh, if you haven't checked those out, those are really good. Um, yeah, yeah, they're super helpful. I mean, it's it's nothing that you can't do on Baseball Savant, but it's just so condensed and it's right there for you. Are you There's nothing to do, which is just, it's the best part. It's it's awesome. It's It's great. So... I'd say those are probably my top three. Um, I don't know if I have a specific stat. I think this really specific stat is whatever I'm researching Yeah. Um, in the meantime. So when I was doing dynamic hard hit rate, I was, I was looking at hard hit rates. I was looking at, I mean, I'm pretty much always looking at Wobicon, X Wobicon. Um, barrels are super important. Um, they're very predictive from a hitter's standpoint. Um, yeah, I mean, those are definitely the top three sites for me. Um, 
and of course twitter really i mean yep i just like talking about stuff alex chamberlain's always always willing to talk to me about stupid stuff that i'm probably more annoying him than anything but uh He's, I bet he's you're not. You'd be, su- you'd, be su- you'd be surprised. <laughs> he's he's one of the nicest human beings. I think he enjoys the conversation more than you think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm 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 sure that's true. Yeah. Um, you mentioned barrels, and I, I've talked about barrels on many times because it is such a predictive stat. It's a sticky stat. Yeah. It, it's a great stat. Um, and I mentioned earlier, like when we look at barrels, it's the launch angle, it's x velocity in a certain dimension that creates a barrel, and we want guys mm-hmm. to barrel it up a lot. Obviously, like we want guys that hit the ball hard a lot. How does the barrel rate or, or or some sort of barrel per batter ball event or something, how would that compare to something in this stat? Is it, is it factored in already? I'm just being stupid because you already are doing launch angle and exit velocity, or is there um, another, is there like any difference between the two stats? Yeah. So a bear, so barrels are, um, they're determined by, expected results right so Mm -hmm. if you hit a ground ball it's it's not going to be in barrel because in order to be a barrel it needs to have an expected batting average of 500 and an expected slugging of 1500 i think um dynamic hard hit rate doesn't do any of that it just it pretty much just takes the exit velocity and says yep it's hard hit or no it's it's not hard hit. Um, they are a little bit passively baked in here um, because you can have a barrel that's not 95. Um, scratch that. I am unsure about that. Um, <laughs> well, I have a feeling. Yeah, I, have they, a, I have a feeling it wouldn't be a barrel at 95. Like if yeah. it's got the launch angle yeah. below, like if it's a ground ball, they won't count that as a barrel. Right, yeah, no, I said, yeah, as soon as it came out of my mouth, I was like, that can't be true. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they are a little bit passively baked in, but but no, since it doesn't consider, since dynamic hard hit rate doesn't consider the launch angle, um, other than the fact that it's going to move that threshold, um, the rate itself, right, it's a dynamic hard hit rate. It's measuring the rate in which you hit the ball hard. So there's no consideration for the launch angle or anything like that. Um, and that does kind of differentiate it from barrels a little bit. Um, not necessarily in a good way or a bad way. Barrels are always going to give you on-field results, right? You're If you've got a guy with a high barrel rate, you know that he's he's hitting the ball well. Dynamic hard hit rate, there's a million different ways that you could have a dynamic hard hit rate and realistically not be hitting the ball all that hard, right? If you're hitting a billion pop-ups at 105 miles an hour, chances are none of those are going for hits, but you're still hitting them super hard. So it's more dynamic hard hit rate is it's useful in a way that can tell us what the hitter might be capable of. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you bake in that launch angle, sometimes you get barrels, sometimes you get X Wobicon. Um, You know, the guys with the best dynamic hard hit rate that also hit it at a good angle, you you get Mike Trout, get Christian Yellen. (laughs) Um, but yeah, you're, with dynamic hard hit rate, it's um, you're not always going to see on-field results. And that's why mm-hmm. sometimes a true hit, it's going to sell the great launch angle guys a little bit short. So it's different from barrels in that way. Um, 
it's something I've thought about and I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm, I'm not sure if I like it or don't like it, but it's, it's the way it is. And it, it works because works because there's, there's no launch angle, but I'm, I'm wondering if there's a launch angle component that can improve it. Certainly. Yeah. It just, just, just as a, a joke here, do you just like dream of launch <laughs> angle? Because it seems like a lot of your, like, we're, we're going to talk about your, your picture, exit velocity, producing launch angle, your, your launch angle here. It's like, seems like it's bugging you because it's not factoring in. Is this just like something that you're, you're thinking about all the time? Um, <laughs> I'm just uh, joking. <laughs> no, no, I know. It, you know what? It's, it's funny though. It's probably an everyday thing for me um i'm a mechanical engineer and i i work this job and i i like my job i don't dislike it and i I like my company but i do have some free time during the day on average and when i'm there at my computer i'll I'll dive into this stuff so it's definitely a daily thing for me at some point during the day it'll be on my mind i think at least recently if i'm doing a different project down the road probably not but as of the last six months yeah definitely Gotcha. Well, I want everybody to go that hasn't checked it out. I think most listeners have already checked it out. Go check out the article on dynamic card hit rate. It's outstanding. It was a uh, fun discussion. I, I could probably ask many more dumb questions and we can keep going down rabbit holes. So um, it's an awesome one. Sure people check. Yeah, we definitely could. But I, I just have some other fun little questions to ask you here. You had a tweet yeah. and I'm I'm curious to see what your reasoning behind this was because I could see arguments all over the board here. So this was kind of fun. <laughs> you you basically put out do you if you're a pitcher would you prefer every one of your pitches basically to go down the middle but you're guaranteed to strike or would you rather mm-hmm. pitch on the corners like on the outside gray area and 50% of the time it's a strike what was your reasoning and logic behind that so i i did something a while back uh, it was just a, a way for me to try to quantify command it actually didn't gain much traction it was called um location runs prevented or LRP. I essentially broke down I broke down every pitch in every zone in every count and essentially uh just added up all the potential outcomes of every pitcher's pitches. Um and and kind of gave you um how many runs prevented were from just location. Um how, how well were Pitchers locating their balls. And so I had a lot of time to dive into the various parts of the strike zone and, and which pitches and pitch areas did what. And uh, I woke up the morning of that tweet and um, another six-man rotation writer, um, Austin per- Perido, um, he said, oh, it's, you know, it's interesting. Garrett Cole's got a bunch of balls that he just throws right down the middle. And he's like, and, the, and he's listing these names and there were a whole bunch of aces in there. And the one thing that I picked up from when I was doing this location slash command metric thing, I was trying to quantify command. The one thing that I really picked up on is that pitches down the middle are more often than not a really good pitch. Um, and it's solely because of the fact that it can't be a ball. Um, usually when you think of a a pitch right down the middle, obviously it's going to be a strike sometimes, but the other times they're going to swing. And if they make contact, it's going to get smoked. What I actually found is that it's only hitters only put pitches, even when they're right down the middle, they only put pitches in play about 35, 40% of the time. And Mm -hmm. when they do that, 
they're hitting it hard. It's well above league average, but it's nothing earth shattering, right? So you combine that, if you really want to break it down into its possible outcomes, you've got in the first scenario, like you said, you've either got a strike or you've got the ball in play. The strike is huge. The fact that it can be a strike and only a strike is the biggest part of that prompt. Um, and then when you go to the second option, you've got a 50% strike, 50% ball. And then uh, obviously they can put the ball in play. If it's a pitch on the edge, they're not going to do as much damage. But essentially when you break down all of those potential outcomes down until run values, it's actually easy to see that the pitch down the middle more often than not is going to be the better option. Now, this isn't the only way to tackle a question such as this. This is just the way that I think about it. I actually, it's funny you, it's funny you brought this up. I, um, I don't remember when I posted the tweet. Was it Monday? Maybe? No, yeah, no it was, it was last week. Yeah. Like in the last week, I think. Yeah. 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 So, um, I posted the tweet and I've actually had, I went to like quote tweet my response with like kind of my explanation and what I was thinking um, so that people could argue with me and I could be like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Um, and I I was just writing out all these tweets and it ended up just being so too long and I couldn't tweet it anymore. <laughs> so, I, so I wrote it in a Google Doc and I was actually going to release it as an article and I totally forgot. It's been in my queue for like two days now sorry so that might be coming you can you can read all about it in uh soon maybe no, i i like it because i picked the give me a strike every time because it's it's the yeah. things you mentioned and there's there's stories i remember from playing baseball back in the day you you sit there and um i remember so, uh, it was a story of some manager took a kid behind uh, they're taking batting practice took him behind the the net and said just stand here because they, they were acting like oh he's just throwing them you know, meatballs down the plate, they're going to hit them all deep. And he said, just stand here and tell me how many of the next 10 go over the fence. And it was like right. two or three. And it was just proving the point that even though it's a meatball, like you said, right down the middle of the plate, it, a round ball hitting a round bat is one of the hardest things to do, period, regardless, to hit it the yeah. right way. And so sure. it's just like, that's why you mentioned, I talk about a lot of Cole, Verlander, Scherzer. You look at these guys that throw gas, they have a ton of strikeouts and some of the best pitchers in baseball. They give up so many home runs, but they're usually solo shots because they're not walking guys by painting the edge. It's little things mm -hmm. like that, that that goes a long way. So that's why I thought that was a fun discussion because a lot of uh, analysts these days, and not that they're wrong by any means, but breaking down certain pitchers, they're looking at how they thrive because they can work on the corner and the gray areas, basically, and they can paint and get guys to chase a little bit. And they, they, they experts in that were those guys I mentioned before. They're, they're, they're going to challenge you with their good stuff. And then once they're ahead of you in the count, they're going to start making you look foolish on their off-speed stuff. So yeah. it's just little things like that. That's, that's why I thought it was a fun thing because I was curious on the answer. I fi figured more people would have picked the uh, not-so-obvious right down the middle pitch. And I can't remember what the verdict was, but I think it was pretty close. So that was a pretty cool one just for a, a fun little discussion. It's more of a, a baseball meets fantasy baseball thing. It was kind of instead of fantasy baseball meets baseball, like most of our analysis. So that was a that was a fun change of pace. Um you mentioned the Sparkman earlier. I saw this perusing your site yeah. and, and looking at your Twitter, and this really got my attention because you were mentioning it with uh, the college kids coming out and utilizing it. It's a metric, that a projected metric, a projected system for minor league uh, pitchers, and this is something you don't see every day. And you know, like Prospect Live does a great job with their minors, with their minors coverage, obviously, 
and Smart yeah. has developed the, the the graphs, which are just out of this world awesome. Before yeah, that, there really wasn't great. much of yeah. There's before that was like much of anything that would help with with minor league analysis. Period. And um, you developed this this minor league pitching system, and I'm curious to see what what's the basis of it. What do you, how do you use it to predict it? Like, is there a X amount of years type thing? What what is Sparkman? So Sparkman, like you said, it's a it's a projection system trying to pick predict um, success for minor league pitchers at the major league level. Um, when I first started, I, I started writing like a lot, like four years ago. I was super into prospects, um, as well as the analysis. But I wasn't in deep to the like numbers as I am now. I was super into the uh, prospects, and and I really wanted to one day do something like this. And it wasn't until let me see the date on this. I forgot. I forgot. This must have been a year ago or so. Oh, no, this is when we updated the site. So this only came out about six months ago. Um, I had known I always wanted to do this. It's kind of like numbers meet prospects, which is, um, you know, if you're a prospects guy, they always say don't scout stat line. That's the number (laughs) one warning sign, right? It doesn't matter what the guy's ERA is and in low way, no one cares. Um, And to a degree, that's very true. But what Sparkman helps to do is better contextualize performance, um, given level, given age, um, strikeout rate, walk rate, and then in certain areas, you know, home runs, uh, ground balls, stuff like that. Um, And yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, you you go by age, um, you you start with the level, um, you compare the age to the level, and then depending on the level, the variables, what Sparkman actually looks for, actually change, right? So if you've got a guy at AAA, it's going to be worried about his strikeout rate. It's going to be worried about his walk rate. It's actually going to be worried about his home run rate a little bit, uh, maybe even his grounders. When you go all the way down to like low A, that stuff's just so crazy and fluky that you're looking at age and you're looking at maybe even just strikeout rate, honestly, sometimes. I don't have the the list of variables by level in front of me, but they change, right? You're sometimes Mm -hmm. you're worried about home run rate. And then when they're 18 years old, you're not really right. Yeah. Um, So that's kind of what it looks at. When I first released it, uh, there was a lot of talk, right? Because this is a, this is a projection system using only numbers. There's no scouting in here. Um, There's no eye tests, which is what are, what a lot of, uh, scouting prospects is right you got to go look at the stuff command i mean you definitely can't quantify minor league command without a scout right they got to put a grade on it so this is just numbers um and that can be hard to capture everybody one guy i really didn't like was casey mize um mm-hmm. because he was 22 he pitched at high a so he was even a little bit old for the high a level he didn't strike out a lot of guys but it's obviously it's Casey Mize, right? He's got he's not going to strike out a ton of guys, but he's got filthy stuff. And there's a reason that he was 22 at high A. It's because he was just drafted. So uh, somebody somebody commented about Casey Mize, and somebody on Twitter um, put it perfectly. Put it in a way that I hadn't even really thought of, but it's it's so true. Sparkman's a really good way to pick up on guys 
that you might have overlooked, it's never ever going to, it's not created to tell you which guys are good that we already knew were good, like Casey Mize, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, it's trying to tell you about the guys that you might have overlooked. The uh, Simeon Woods Richardson um, is its number five prospect, is because he's 18. And they shoved him all the way up to high A after the trade, and he struck out a bunch of dudes. As far as Sparkman's concerned, that's a legit prospect, right? You never see a lot of 18-year-olds in high A to begin with, so that's already a good sign. And now he's striking out a bunch of guys. That's That, that bodes well for his future. So it's not really there. It's not really designed to confirm that prospects that we already know are good are indeed good. Like, that's not why it's there. It's It's to contextualize statistical performance that we might've overlooked before. Um, and yeah, I think it, I think it, well, so here's the thing. I would like to, I would like to see it work in action, but we don't have baseball. So. Yeah. It's kind of tough, <laughs> kind of yeah. tough, but yeah. uh, I, I do, I do like it. Like you said, maybe it's more of a, a reminder thing. Like you're saying, I like it because it, the rates kind of, make the major league baseball rates is always a good one because, you know, when we start talking prospects at one point in time, get very kind of high hopes on them, but this kind of brings their it into perspective of these guys are going to make the bigs and whatnot. And then I like the different war categories and the expected war. So you can like, just how good are they going to be even if they make the bigs? And obviously a lot of that's going to vary. A lot can change. Like you mentioned with, when it comes to prospects, it's, it's such a long road and a lot of things change along the way. Um, you said, listen to a scout before you look at stats and all that hundred uh, percent makes sense. Um, yeah. But I, I think it's a great resource because it kind of clumps all the pitchers together in the minors, which you don't really have a big location for unless you're, you know, following a, a specific prospect analyst that has rankings for pitching and stuff like that, that um, it's more their rankings than a, an actual cumulative stats-based model type rankings. So I, I think that's a, a very interesting way to go about it. Um, do you plan on doing this? I know we have on baseball this year, but do you plan on putting the uh, the college guys that were just drafted or high school guys just drafted into your, your Sparkman list? Yeah, I've thought about that a little bit. Um, and I'm not entirely sure what I'm going to do um, because I have the stats from 2019. Um, and I have those expected war totals, which is the output of Sparkman. It kind of gives you a, what you can expect war-wise before the age of 30. Um, but I don't have 2020 numbers because we had such a small borderline meaningless college season. And so I, I've been, I've been giving it some thought, but I'm not entirely sure what I'm going to do with those guys yet. I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure. I had some numbers, like you said, I, um, I tweeted some guys out, but they were, mm-hmm. that was using their 2019 numbers. And it gotcha. feels a little, it feels a little weird to put in 2019 yeah. numbers to, uh, I really want to, I was, I was really excited to put out a, a mid season list to kind of see which guys were moving. Um, and those guys, these new guys that just got drafted would have been on there. Um, but I don't know what I'm going to do given that there's no baseball. I know that, um, Reed Detmers who just got drafted from Louisville to the angels. He was one of the highest college guys that I had seen but that was last year. It had its he it Sparkman had Detmer's age at 19, 
Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, changing that age to 20 is going to change his outlook a little bit as far as the algorithm is concerned. So I don't know what the new number would have been. It's a tough, it's a tough situation. I'm not sure there's a perfect way to do it. So I'm, I'm playing with some uh, possibilities. But for now, they're staying out. Mm-hmm. No, it makes sense. It makes sense, especially when we're talking – you know, prospects year to year, they change so much just in their age, their development, their body growth, the things they learn. Um, a lot can change, especially with the the high school kids that you probably don't have any data on, let alone these college kids. A lot can change from their freshman to sophomore year, sophomore to junior, so on and so forth. So yeah. um, it'd be just to c- completely leave out a whole season <laughs> could be right. kind of kind of tricky. So it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But I'm, I'm curious to see where the, where the growth keeps going in, in that uh, projection system you have built there. Uh, real quickly, because I know you're going to do a lot more work on this because you've been talking about it a lot, but uh, let's just give a teaser. Uh, what's the gist? What's the goal on your recent, um, you know, can a pitcher kind of predict exit velocity by launch angler? You, you have this whole theory going out there now with pitchers, can like because we talk about the hitters <laughs> aspect of so much of this. And you're, you're trying to look at it, and it could kind of be in a realm of would you prefer throwing a fastball on the middle every time or a, a pitch around the plate? Because I saw your discussion, you know, if you're throwing sliders low and in, obviously the launch angle is not going to be the same, so on and so forth. So what right. are you trying to find out by looking at this? Can the picture determine the exit velocity launch angle type stuff? Yeah, I <laughs> I had this I had this theory that I kind of threw out there uh, expecting to – people tell me to shut up and that I'm stupid and stuff. But um, I had this hunch and I don't know if it's, it's probably not true. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably not real, but I had this hunch that perhaps maybe the pitcher has very, very, very little, like close to zero control over actual exit velocity. Um, what if he can only really control his launch angle essentially right he can control if he's a fly ball pitcher or a ground ball pitcher um that's kind of what i'm looking at um to a degree it makes a little bit of sense and uh then you know of course alex hit me with like oh but here's a perfectly good reason why that can't be true so (laughs) i'm looking at it a little (laughs) bit um i'm still i still have the same hunch it hasn't escaped me um but i I have yet to find any solid evidence that X velocity is not in a pitcher's control yet. Yeah. I don't know if I'll ever find it. Like I said, it might not be, I might be hunting for something that doesn't exist, but that was kind of my hunch. And that's kind of what I'm looking at. That's why I'm so deep into this launch angle stuff right now. Um, Just, just kind of poking around. Well, it's interesting because the, the, the idea you're talking about the theory it makes sense, especially if you can start determining which pitchers, you know, do better at X or Y type situations. So it's definitely something that's going to be interesting. It's going to be very difficult to find. So I'm glad you're doing it, not me, um, and stuff along <laughs> those lines. But I'm, I'm just curious because obviously when you do figure it out, I'm curious, is it more of these guys that throw a million off-speed pitches compared to guys that throw fastballs? How do we factor that in to actual success rate? All these things that you're going to get to find out, I can't wait to see. But um, it seems it seems very very interesting. It, it's a, it's an interesting philosophy, I should say, to to see. Basically, basically, in theory, the lazy way to say it, it for me, it's which pitchers are great at, at creating like soft contact, and how can we predict it? 
that's kind of the way yeah. I look at it, but you're, you're going to do it in a much better way. <laughs> so yeah, no, I mean, angle. you're, you're, you kind of nailed it though, right? We think of soft contact as just that contact that yeah. is soft. Um, I guess my, my theory is that, yeah, pitchers do create soft contact, but maybe the soft part of it is more influenced by launch angle and not actual exit velocity. So exactly. That'd be you know, fun I, to find I out. I threw something together. I threw something together like really quickly. Um, and the names at the top pass the smell test. You've got Framber Valdez, who had a 62% ground ball rate. You've got Dallas Keuchel near the top. Stroman's up there. Luis Castillo, Dakota Hudson. Then you got a couple E-Rods rounds out the top 20, a few aces, Strasburg, Syndergaard. So, you know, and that's just using launch angle. There's no exit velocity involved in that, but um, it passes the smell test. So I, I think I'm, the toughest part with all this is is not so much finding something that makes sense, but finding something that can then be useful. A lot of times you'll mm-hmm. find something and, and be like, oh, wow, this makes makes a lot of intuitive sense and you go and check to see if it's useful in, in any predictive sense or, you know, can this tell me anything about the player and not exactly what kind of balls were hit off him, but the pitcher himself and, and you find nothing, which is, which is the hardest part. That's, it's a little defeating sometimes, but uh, I'm going to keep working. No, I'm looking forward to it. Cause I think you'll find it and then you'll, you'll factor in park factors, which can be tremendous and many things along those lines. So I'm looking forward to seeing where that goes and we'll have to sit down and, and chat about it some other time, but uh, that'll wrap up tonight's episode. Why don't you uh, plug your Twitter and anything else you want to plug your website, any uh, past articles, future articles, whatever you got. Oh yeah. Um, you can always find me at C Kirk on, on Twitter. I think I said it a few times, I, I, you know, I just like throwing stuff out there for the sake of discussion. So feel free to tweet at me whenever. Um, I'm over at sixmanrotation.com um, with a bunch of other smart guys that, that write here and there. Um, and yeah, I mean, go check out the site. And uh, if you have any questions, if you feel like writing for the site even, uh, hit me up. You can always find me on Twitter. So that's a, pretty much all I got. Well, awesome. I, I'm glad we got to, to sit down and chat for a little bit. Uh very, very Absolutely. bright mind you have there, and it's uh, it's fun to to talk about. I've had a few other people mention uh, how how smart you are in the in the stats that you're developing and everything. So I'm glad we got to sit down and chat, and I look forward to doing it again sometime. Yeah, man, absolutely. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. No problem, everybody. This is Bench with Bubba, episode 294 with Connor Kirkon of Six Man Rotation. Catch you guys later. Yeah.